0: Following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line, live on ESPN 1067.
1: You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika sports leader. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you here on the Thursday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Hope you're all doing well on this beautiful Thursday afternoon. We've had some gorgeous weather over the past week or so here in Auburn Opelika. So hope you're all doing well on this Thursday afternoon. We've got a lot to talk about on the show today. Lots of college football conversation. Uh, looking around the country at some of the games coming up this this weekend, and a whole lot more. So stay tuned. we got two hours here uh, here in the studio on this Thursday edition of On The Line. 334-321-1390 is the number to put you through to us. We'd love to hear from you, your thoughts, opinions, comments, questions, concerns about everything going on in the world of sports. So 334-321-1390 is the number to put you through to us. And Thursdays are always a good day because you, you get you started for the weekend, right? You've got Thursday night football, then yeah. the postseason for baseball starts tomorrow, God, then college football. I, I,
2: hope, I hope Thursday night football goes well for me.
1: Yeah, you're a Colts fan. How are you feeling about that game?
2: Uh, no, I don't feel good about anything with the Colts right now. <laughs> Jonathan Taylor's out. They yeah, they can't that hurts. pass. The offensive line all of a sudden is bad. I mean, everything about this. I've The, the only s- silver
1: lining here is the Broncos are trash. Yeah, the silver lining is you're playing the Broncos and this game tonight may be one of the worst that is played all year. It's going to be ugly tonight, especially with Jonathan Taylor not playing, like it's going to be ugly tonight. I'm and you just, know what? Look, I'm, We're going to watch I'm
2: settling it settling in for a 4-12 and 1 season.
1: Oh, that's brutal. That is (laughs) – that's so brutal. But, hey, you never know. But, look, you got Thursday night football tonight. Postseason for baseball starts tomorrow. College football Saturday. NFL Sunday. Postseason all the way through. It's going to be a great weekend of sports, man. It is. Doesn't uh, Will Levis already feel like a great Colts quarterback? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think he'd fit – I think he'd fit there pretty well. And, look, but he's he's a top – Three draft pick, Carter. What are you talking about? No, I'm. I, I'm. That's
2: what I'm saying. I think. I think he just has that. Like you can have Will Levis, Colts quarterback, and his backup, Will Levis Light, Sam Ellinger. Yeah.
1: I mean, it it sounds like a good fit. Sounds like a good fit to me. Well, speaking of all of the events in sports going on this weekend here on ESPN 106.7, look, we call ourselves the Auburn Opelika Sports Leader, and that's because it's true, and we mean it. We've got so much coming up here on the station this weekend. Starting tomorrow night, after uh, after on the line after the drive tomorrow, it's going to be our postseason coverage of Major League Baseball. Now, we're going to have coverage throughout the entire postseason, and we're not going to have every single game because if there's games being played that would um, that would be cutting off the max roundtable on the line or the drive, we're not going to carry those games because we want to have our seven straight hours of local sports talk shows. Mm-hmm. Like we, we pride ourselves on that, so we're not going to carry a baseball game if it cuts into our live talk shows, but after that and through the weekend, you best believe we're going to carry them, and that includes the Braves next week when they start playing their night games in the DS, we're going to have coverage of all of that. So make sure you're staying tuned and and, and tuning in for MLB postseason coverage here on ESPN 106.7. But here's the lineup for this weekend. It's a great it's a great weekend here on ESPN 106.7. Tomorrow night we've got Game One of the National League Wild Card Series, Padres and Mets at 6:30 after the drive. Then on Saturday we've got college football, Tennessee at LSU. It's a top 25 matchup. That's at a 11 a.m. one of the best games of the week that's going to be right here on ESPN 106.7 then Saturday afternoon after the football game the American League wild card game Mariners and Blue Jays that'll be game two of that series then after the game with Carter Byrd and Jack Hutton after Auburn and Georgia you want to tune in for that around 6 o'clock they'll be taking your calls all that good stuff then on Sunday we've got some NFL game uh Dolphins and Jets at 11 a.m. so it's a jam-packed weekend yet again here on the Auburn Alabaca Sports Leader.
2: Yeah, no, it's gonna be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to after the game could be a could be an exciting one. Um, no, it's gonna be exciting. It's it's it's. Could re- it could be maybe our most entertaining and exciting show that we've had.
1: Yeah. Hey, look, you guys do a great job, and it, it gets really good engagement. I think people really enjoy listening to it, and they take calls, and it, it's a lot of fun. So after the game brought to you by Urgent Care Clinic, that is on Saturdays after Auburn University football games. Tune in right here on ESPN 106.7. So that is what is going on around the station this weekend. Just wanted to kind of give you the rundown because we're excited to be able to bring you all of these games and all this action here on ESPN 106.7. But as we get into our topic of discussion to start the show today, 334-321-1390 is the number to put you through to us. Lots of talk recently about... Yesterday, we talked about coaching and where college football is right now, where coaches are getting fired one, two, maybe three years into their regime at a school. We talked a lot about that yesterday, but I've seen some conversation, and I think it's really interesting how the college football playoff impacts that and impacts that discussion Mm -hmm. where right now, obviously, the standard is trying to get to the college football playoff, which consists of four teams. But we now know that that is changing, and it's expanding in a few years. When this contract is up, it's expanding to more teams, which means more teams get in, which means, realistically, you don't have to perform as well, and you don't have to be a top-four team in the country to make it to that college football playoff. And so the question is, will expanding the college football playoff help or hurt the game of college football?
2: I mean, I think... I don't think you can make a full decision on that. I think it'll probably help Uh, just because there's more hope for teams. It doesn't feel like you're going to see Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, and a rotating fourth team. Right now, that's kind of what it feels like. It feels like those four, I mean, really, Ohio State and Clemson and Georgia are somewhat interchangeable. It's basically Alabama and two of those three teams, sometimes even three, and then – yeah, there's just a rotating spot for that last team. Every now and then somebody can jump up, get in there. You saw Cincy last year be the first G5 team. It gives everybody a little bit of hope, maybe, um, with expanding to 12. But I think it remains to be seen just how how it affects college football in the long term. It'll be – i my concern is that you're going to start to see more and more opt outs middle of the season once your team is not in the playoff by doing that. But it
1: we will see. I could see where that could be an issue and we, we sort of hit on that yesterday with guys sitting out and opting to red shirt when they're not pleased with with their With their team or their coaches or whatever their their situation and then they're going to end up some of them will end up transferring some of them are just playing the long game at their school but i could see where having the extended playoff and then halfway through the season when the team realizes they're not going to make that playoff you could see guys start to sit out and say well I'm done we're we're just I'm not going to risk myself for a team that's not going to make a playoff but in my opinion when you look at the college football playoff and and look we're talking about this because that is the end goal that's what people are trying to do is get to the playoff and then ultimately win that national championship and with the college football playoff as it is right now being a top four team in college football is a hard thing to do. Oh, I mean, yeah. that's a that's a big thing to do, especially with how good the top of college football is right now with Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, Clemson, right? I mean, those are the programs right now that are consistently top 10 top five programs and trying to be one of those if you are not one of those is really really tough to do right now and that is why you are seeing coaches get fired two or three years into their regime because if you don't make the playoff the school's ready to move on because they want to be one of those but with the playoff expanding Now these schools have a better chance of getting in, and you don't have to just go undefeated, beat everybody by 20, win your conference and all of that. You can afford now to slip up once or maybe even twice in a season now where, of course, we saw Auburn a few years ago. They almost became the first two-loss team to make the playoff. But think about it this way. Now with a 12-team playoff, Mm -hmm. you have that chance to – you're able to lose that game somewhere in the season and still be okay. And I think this is a good thing for college football because now you're going to have a team where, let's say they don't show up and play their best game on a Saturday in October, but yet by the end of November, early December, they're looking like one of the best teams in college football, but oh wait, they lost that game two months ago, you can't get in. No, that's not going to be the issue anymore. Now you're going to have that extended playoff and I think it's going to be entertaining is it going to weed out bad teams and let teams that maybe wouldn't have got in get in and make a splash? Maybe we're going to find out. And and I think there's good and bad things about this expanded college football playoff. Let's get to the phone lines though. 13-90. Ed, you're on the line. Welcome in.
3: Hey guys, how y'all doing?
1: Doing good, Ed. What you got?
3: Uh, I've got about just about three real quick items. One of them, you were just talking about the buyouts, and I heard. This morning, in a, just a very, very recent time period, almost half a billion has been spent to pay coaches not to coach in the last couple of years. Uh, I heard that this morning on, I think it was on. I don't know if it's on Max or, or the one after him, but mm-hmm. uh, but I- anyway, that's a lot of money, man.
1: Oh, I believe I it, and I, and that's paying guys to not work.
3: And <laughs> and if if
2: A yeah. and M turns into a really big dumpster fire, watch them drop a hundred million dollars to to
3: get rid of that guy. Yeah, I, that's what I was reading. Also, that it's like ninety million mm. right now. Isn't it? Yeah, and, and uh, I, 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 I'll just ask y'all this: uh, I, I called in. And I'm not holding y'all responsible for this, and, and I'm not holding Bill responsible for this at all either. But he had a. Um, Oh, uh, Jason Caldwell, I think it was yesterday, and I called in there, and I was wondering about Landon King. Mm-hmm. You know, him, him opting out and everything. And after I hung up, he he made the statement that said he thought that Auburn had made excellent use of their young talent. Now, what do y'all think about that statement?
2: Well, I mean, as a
3: okay, A receiver, a receiver.
2: Well, you're you're starting to see Omari Kelly and Camden Brown actually get out there and get on the field and make an impact. I think I don't think you can ignore that. I uh, no, I don't. And, and but, but, but
3: one more thing in there, you know, Penn State. Well, I mean,
1: this, I think early on they didn't they did not use their young guys well, but I think. Maybe they're starting to and it, it seems yeah. like it's a little too little too late, but I mean you're seeing yeah. a guy like Landon King who decided I'm not gonna play because they're not playing me. Well Ed Ed also you mean you
2: have to keep in me. mind that those those freshmen, they were pretty brand new when the season started and the Penn State game was that third game and yeah. maybe maybe they were just leaning on the experience of the older guys that had been on the offense and now those freshmen are starting to Kind of grasp the offense, get a feel for it, and as a result, you're starting to see him out in the field because one, they know the offense now, and two, they're better athletes.
3: Yeah, uh, a couple other things I was going to say. Uh, one is I know I'm, I've known Brandon Council for several years. He is a great guy. He's quiet. He is respectful. Uh, I, I mean, he just he when I knew him, he had this little. Little small dog. I mean, just a great guy. Uh, I can't imagine him coming out and saying that unless somebody had mentioned it, because that's just not his demeanor. But I'm not saying he—it just wasn't off the spur. But to me, it seems like something a coach, you know, might want to be sparked something up, and and uh, and that's good. Uh, you know, we need something. And I was gonna, you know, I call here a lot of times, and I'll. Say things and they come true, but I said before this I called your show, so I'm gonna stand up to this. I picked Auburn to beat Georgia before the year started. Okay. Now I will I will say also that I picked Auburn to beat Penn State. Fair. Okay. Yeah. But uh, I, you know, but but uh, I had them losing to LSU, and but. Uh, Anyway, so I'll take my my tongue, my tongue lash or whatever you call it. You <laughs>
1: yeah, know. no, I, I understand. Well, Ed, yeah, well, Ed. Hey, look, man, we appreciate the call. We got to get to a break here in just a minute, but um, you know, talking about the Brandon Council thing, I I don't know if. If he fully meant to say it that way or how it came out, well, I do think that the offensive line is trying to build a little confidence within themselves because they hear the noise. I mean, they hear they hear guys like us and, and everybody else in town sit and talk about them and blast them day in and day out for their performance, and they did play well against LSU. I mean, they, they did. They played a good game, and I think for... For them going into a Georgia game where they, they absolutely know they are outmatched and outmanned up front, they're trying to build some confidence within themselves. Now, did he fully mean to say they're going to come out and dominate Georgia? I don't know, but they, I'm sure they think it on some level to give themselves some sort of confidence so they can get out of the bed on Saturday morning and actually go try and play this football game.
2: Well, I mean, I think that... He did say it a few times in a row, apparently, according to Bill, uh, talking to him in between our show the other day and the start of his show. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's certainly interesting that he he said that publicly. And, you know, I like the confidence. You just have to back it up. And, look, I, I know Brandon as well. I mean, Brandon's one of the more likable guys on this team. I mean, anybody who gets to know him, he's – he is maybe the most personable guy on the team, and I th- and when I met him, I was like, "That's somebody. That's somebody who's going to thrive in the NIL world." And I I think he's done that. I mean, he's he's gotten a few deals, and I'm, uh, but him going out and saying that the O line is going to demolish Georgia's front is um interesting. It's it's an interesting it's, choice of words. It, it really is. I. I am interested if maybe the thought crosses his mind about Coy Moore uh, or, or even his head coach with Just Watch um, remains to be seen. R- remains to be seen what exactly uh, it looks like on Saturday with this new offensive line.
1: Doesn't matter who you are, who you play for, or what name is across your chest. It doesn't matter until you prove it on the field. And if Auburn wants to prove something on Saturday, they're going to have to do it. And if the offensive line wants to go out and have a great game, I think everybody would be okay with that. We'll see how it goes. We're going to continue this conversation and more about the college football playoff when we come back here on the Thursday edition of On The Line.
0: You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502.
1: Back here on the Thursday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goeth Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7, Albert a Sports Leader 334 321 1390 is the number to put you through to us. And as we continue uh, the conversation about the college football playoff, because we're we're getting into Week Six of college football, and we're going to see the the rankings start coming out soon. And the conversation is going to heat up every single week about the college football playoff. Mm-hmm. And of course, right now it sits at four teams we know it's getting expanded in the next couple of years but the question of the day is how many teams in your opinion should be in the college football playoff 334 321 1390 in your opinion how many should be in there and why what's a good number for the college football playoff
2: I think eight I think eight is a really really good number You can satisfy the Power Five conferences if those go away and we turn to a Power Two, then it's gonna change. I think it'll be, it'll be. um, I think your conference champion in the Big Ten, your conference champion in the SEC. Right now, I would say the other three Power conferences get their champions in. Then I think there needs to be the last three spots need to be at large, with maybe if it's close lean towards one g5 team just to satisfy all parties all parties involved uh but I mean if if the first the first ranked g5 team is 15th right no they don't they don't get in they they don't deserve to get in right I you're mean, not gonna
1: satisfy them just to
2: say you did you want to like, make sure it's the right decision I think that there's a way to to say like okay if it's if we're talking about a battle for spot number eight and you've got a tenth or 11th ranked g5 team versus what the t- the ninth or tenth ranked f like power five team then I think it's worthy of discussion to to put the the G5 team in um if we go to a power two, I think you get <laughs> oh this is gonna be a crazy one I think at that point you go your two power power two champions probably your next best team in each conference runner ups like like I'm not even saying runner ups like because technically I yeah, mean technically if, yeah like Wisconsin can go 8 and 4 and then play an undefeated Ohio State team in the championship game get smashed and then there's a one loss Michigan there like
1: mm-hmm. we we've seen something like that happen but I think that'll get fixed a little bit if the conferences become bigger and they get to like 20 to teams pods. if they go to
2: pods mm-hmm. then yeah it's going to be pods totally different or, or it's going to just... be if divisions are are right kind of gotten rid of, then yeah, I think your top two in the in the Big Ten and the SEC both should go. Then I think everything else should be a a an at large. You can get a G five in there if in that scenario or you can get other at larges for for the um for the power two. Like if you have if you have undefeated Georgia and Alabama playing in the championship, send both of them. And then if you have one loss Texas A&M, one loss LSU, or for argument's sake right now, one loss Tennessee this season. Mm -hmm.
1: Send all three. Right. Send all three. And I think, like I said, I think think more teams in these conferences will help situations like we were talking about where the runner-up of a conference may not be that good of a team. But isn't it crazy how since the season has started, that conversation of – Two super conferences and pods and divisions and, mm-hmm. and and all of that has sort of slowed down a little bit. I'm sure it'll pick back up in the offseason when there's not actual football to talk yeah, about. I mean, but that's, that's why
2: it's it's been put on the back burner right. is that we have actual games going on. But and that's we have, still we have it, power
1: five coaches fired every week right yeah, now. But that's still a legitimate thing that is happening in the game of college football, college athletics. That's the big thing too. And that's what I wanted everybody to realize was Yeah, we're talking about the playoff for college football right now, but when these conferences decide to start merging and teams flying left and right and, and going different places and going to different conferences, this is not just about college football. This is college athletics. This is basketball, baseball, gymnastics, softball, equestrian, you name it. I mean, this is athletics in general. So it's going to change and affect so many things. But talking about the college football playoff, I think that four was a good start right I think the introduction of a playoff in college football four was a good start and it's done pretty well but you can see where there's room for more teams than four to get in and make it competitive and I think eight or 12 you can make the argument I think 16 may be a little too much because this isn't professional right you see in the NFL where they have a bigger playoff and all of the teams realistically have a good shot to make a run and go to the super bowl whereas in college football if you were to go to a 16 team playoff 16 is not going to beat one that many times i think right now there's a big gap between the top 7 to 8 and 9 through 15 i 16 think 16
2: versus 1 would be because i mean the chances of 16 being a g5 team mm-hmm. having to go to Tuscaloosa or go to Athens.
1: Right. And I'm not saying it started. can't happen, but it's not going to happen very often that that team. It's like a, it's like in the in March Madness, a one and 16 play not to that extreme, but I would compare it to well I would I would argue that in a football
2: situation where both teams just with the difference in athlete where the entire Georgia or Alabama roster is focused on what G5 school? If they're focused on Coastal Carolina, they've been pretty good over the past few years. They're focused on Coastal Carolina, who's extremely undersized. Coastal would get absolutely splattered in that game. And it would be like, we're talking like 30, 40 point victory, if not more than that. Because that is the mindset. Like, at the, there is no next week. There is no, right. no next game to look forward to. It is all about beating the uh the Chanticleers
1: well if you look at the AP poll as it stands right now and I, know, and I know this isn't how it would all play out but if you were to look at it BYU would be traveling to Tuscaloosa right Wake Forest would be going to Athens like not that those teams can't win that game once in a blue moon but it's going to be once in a blue moon, and comparing it to the NCAA tournament in basketball and college basketball, I would compare a one in 16 matchup in a college football playoff like a three and and 14 matchup, where it can happen. It doesn't happen often, but it can happen. You could almost put it at the two and 15 matchup, and I don't think so. But in college football. I just think 16 would be too many because yes, if you're a 16 or 15 seed or a top 15 team, you're good in college football. You're a good team. <laughs> are you going to be a national championship level team? No, it's and that's all, why it's
2: all fun and games until an eight and four SEC team gets in over a one loss G5 or an undefeated
1: G5, and people lose their mind. And or... they win, and people are like, yeah. "This is ridiculous!" Like you know, because and that's that's <laughs> the, thing, the thing too is where you got to start comparing conferences and all of that is about to change too where you look at the SEC or, or the Big Ten but then you can't even call it the Pac-12 because in three to four years, who's going to be in the Pac-12? It, it's crazy. It's, 16 would be too much. I think 8 or 12 would be a decent number for an expanded college football playoff. we got a whole lot more to talk about here on this Thursday edition of On the Line.
0: On the Line with Jacob Goins. And Carter Bird on ESPN 106.7 Auburn Opelika's sports leader.
1: Thirty minutes into hour number one here on the Thursday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7 Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Reminder: If you have not entered your picks for the SEC football challenge this weekend, be sure to do that. Uh, that closes at midnight tomorrow for Week Six of the SEC football season. Go to ESPN AU. Click on the contest tab and you can submit your picks right there. Get involved. We've got great prizes uh, from four wonderful sponsors, the Orthopedic Clinic, Johnny Bruce goes Wickles, Pickles and Buffalo Rock Pepsi. So make sure you go and get your picks in. Uh, It it just kind of depends on how many games there are with how many SEC teams play plus the tiebreakers. So be sure to get your picks in. That'll close tomorrow night at midnight for the games on Saturday. Be sure to get those in. And if you pick the most games right, you can win a prize. And then, of course, at the end of the season, Whoever has the most uh, the most points for the games picked correctly, you're going to win that 50-inch 4K Ultra HD Smart TV. Uh, it, it's a beautiful one now. It, it'll get the job done, I promise you that. So go and get your picks in. That closes tomorrow night at midnight. But, Carter, as we look around college football this weekend, uh, outside and a little bit of the SEC as well, but games around the country that have some impact going on with the college football playoff, kind of the conversation we've been having a little bit. It's week six where it's time to start thinking a little bit about it because teams are 5-0 or 4-1, and and this is a big week for college football. There's some games that have some major impacts on conference races and college football playoff implications later on in the season. Some of the games that you have your eye on this weekend that are going to make an impact, whether it's in their conference or if it's with the college football playoff, or just a game you're looking forward to this weekend.
2: Well, I mean, you have to start with the battle of Lawrence, baby. Game day, Iowa State at Kansas. Um no, it's just, TCU. Oh, sorry. It was Iowa State a couple weeks ago. Then. Mm-hmm. TCU at Kansas. Yeah, you're thinking Apologies. TCU in Kansas. Apologies. I I
1: Are you I really was... a Kansas fan if you don't even know who they're Plumkin? It's TCU in <laughs> hey,
2: Kansas. Hey, I believe in this Kansas team, and the more I watch their stuff, the more I just have fallen in love with them. And the the creativity they have on offense. If you if you go follow uh Richard Johnson on, on Twitter, I think it's RJ underscore rights. He had an awesome little uh film session last night just posting stuff about the the creative just sick stuff that Kansas does in the run game. And um it's it looks awesome. They've got a stud quarterback. This game is a battle of two awesome quarterbacks, uh first year coaching Sonny Dykes. This is This is the game that I have my eye on because if Kansas wins, we're talking about potentially an undefeated Kansas playing Oklahoma State for 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 a chance to be in the driver's seat for for the Big Twelve Championship. We also that sentence has never been said, by the way. (laughs) We also are in a it's a real thing that Kansas Kansas State could decide who plays for a Big 12 championship.
1: That state would burn to the ground. They could play they could play twice in a row for the Big 12 championship. It would be awesome. That would be really cool. How cool is it that game day and the the eyes of the college football world are going to be on Lawrence, Kansas Saturday, and you don't have to wait very long. That's an 11 a.m. kick on FS1. Why are
2: all the good games at 11? They
1: are. I noticed that this week, all of the good ones are right off the rip on Saturday morning. I you mean, got and then if you go off off Pacific time, I mean their best
2: game is at 12:30 local time. Yep, I it's just the
1: scheduling this week is. Pretty rough, pretty rough. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to the TCU-Kansas game, and uh, uh, again, I don't think I've ever said that sentence in my lifetime, but it is going to be good, and Kansas is good. I'm, that's what. That's what is crazy is it's not a fluke that they're 5-0. and oh. They are a good football team. Are they a national championship team? No, but they are a good football team. TCU is a good football team, too. I like TCU in this game. I really do. I think they're going to go in, take care of business. But one game that I've got on my eye, what, you got something? I was going to say, whatever idiot stuck
2: FSU, NC State on the ACC network and put uh, Clemson at Boston College on ABC. But it's Clemson. I don't care. It's a 21-point <laughs> line. I know. Boston College is a dead corpse of a team that, out there every that week. That Florida
1: State-NC State game is interesting.
2: It's going to be fun.
1: That's going You want to talk about a game that has impacts on a on a conference? That one right there. That's a big game inside the ACC. That's a huge game. Yeah. Especially with NC State losing last week. And Florida State kind of going upwards, right? I mean, that's a big game in the ACC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean,
2: it, it's... I mean, FSU still is has everything to play for on as far as a conference championship chance to get there. I mean, they're still in this fight. They only they're two and one in the ACC. uh, NC State's zero and one in the ACC. Both teams have a lot to fight for and don't need a lot
1: of help, I guess, to to get back or to get to an ACC championship game. What about Texas Oklahoma? Did you see the news today? that Quinn Ewers is back for Texas. He is officially back for the Texas Oklahoma game. Another 11 a.m. kick on ABC. He's back, baby. Look. I need we we, we got to work on your pronunciation
2: of Ewers. I know. He's been Uwers, gone for a few weeks, but you've been calling Ewers 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 Ewers
1: Ewers Ewers I don't there's no why. It's there's no it's why. Ewers. There's no it's why. Ewers. I promise you it's Ewers. But if you say like if you were to say like if you saw something nasty you would say ew, right? You would say, ooh. Yes. So it's oohers. Gosh, so <laughs> bad. It is bad. Look, I grew up in Ohio, man. Just, just give me a break. All
2: right? I, I sincerely don't believe that there's a way on this planet that Oklahoma wins that game. Really? Their defense is that bad. They're, they're, there's not a scenario. Quinn Ewers back, they're just going to, they're going to, Shark's going to go back to his bag that he has that he showed you against Alabama. He's shown you throughout his time as an offensive mind. He's gonna put up fifty on that Oklahoma defense, and then when he puts up fifty, Oklahoma's offense is good. They're gonna score thirty-five, but they're gonna Texas's defense is gonna get enough stops to change to end that game
1: fairly early. I think Oklahoma is a quiet three and two and zero and two in Big Twelve play. Like that, it, it seems like with Oklahoma. When they're good, you hear all about it, but when they're not, they just kind of fall behind and people don't really pay them a whole lot of attention. I think that's something that's interesting about Oklahoma, and I know that they're going through a coaching change, right, a first-year head coach, and they're going through losing a good quarterback and all that, right? I get that, but I really thought that Oklahoma was going to be a talented team, and I think they are. I thought their defense would be better, and it may take a couple of years for for Venables to get that going there, Uh, but... They've lost two straight in the Big 12 to Kansas State and to TCU, where they gave up 55 points to the Horn Frogs. So, I don't know what to think about this game on Saturday. I like Texas, uh, especially with uh, with Quinn Ewers coming back. So. Uh, I think that's an interesting game and one where, again, Oklahoma is a quiet 3-2 and and 0-2 in Big 12 play. You don't hear a lot about that one. Uh, it, it doesn't seem like there's as much hype around this game because Texas is 3-2 and and 1-1 and in Big 12 mm. play. So uh, Kind of looking at some other games, of course, another 11 a.m. kick. Tennessee, LSU, you can tune into that one right here on ESPN 106.7, 11 a.m. on Saturday. Get your day started right with a big SEC matchup. Uh, Tennessee... They, they've got a tough task to go on the road at LSU. But again, how lucky are they to play an 11 a.m. kick at LSU? I mean, that you couldn't ask for anything better if you're going on the road to Baton Rouge playing at 11 a.m. versus 6 o'clock.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, it's definitely an advantage. I think that uh, this, this LSU fan base, though, will find a way to just uh, – they'll just pour the the alcohol directly into their veins via via IVs rather than they're going to wake up
1: the, at 7:30 and do yeah, it yeah
2: yeah yeah <laughs> they'll 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 just get in the right state of mind sooner and then right. it'll still be a great atmosphere i'm looking forward to that one as well
1: tennessee has a good chance man they can get another top 25 win uh, on their resume and of course they've got a couple of big games coming up is tennessee legit that's a that is the question are they legit if you're not bought into them yet They're a top-10 team. They're going on the road for a top-25 game on the other side of the SEC. If they win this one and they do something crazy next week against Alabama, I think at that point you've got to believe in Tennessee and you've got to believe that they are good this year.
2: I think they are very, very capable of pulling that upset against Alabama. I don't think this game against LSU is going to be nearly as close as – as the line says, I just think Tennessee's got too much offense and you've seen some rough, rough, rough uh, LSU offense at times this year. I mean look they they're in perfect weather on Saturday, their quarterbacks were 38% completion percentage. I mean, that's not good enough to get it done at all. It'll be it'll be rough for sure
1: for for them if that type of performance, continues this week i think tennessee's offense is just too good i mean i think they are just too good and they are going to be fee- be feeling very very good about themselves playing alabama next week as we move into some of the afternoon games uh, across college football you've got a big one out in the pack 12 utah and ucla uh in ucla it's number 11 utah number 18 ucla so you want to talk about another game that has impacts on a conference that's a big pac 12 game going down did you just pronounce it Utah? No, I swear you did. <laughs> no, I, I did. I, I did. I did not actually do that. It's Utah. Okay, good. Yeah, I was. No. I
2: thought you were gonna try to tell me that there wasn't a Y in front or something like that. Uh, but right, that's that's a fair point. But no,
1: <laughs> that's a fair point. No, it's Utah, baby. The U.
2: I don't believe in UCLA. I have not ever since uh, I knew South Alabama was on the road there as fifteen and a half point underdogs. They almost pulled that upset. Should have pulled that upset. But you called had, that. Had the worst. Fake field goal attempt ever uh, and lost the game. But but this, this game, look, Utah lost in week one, and we forgot about them. We forgot about them. They're really, really good, and I still think they're winning the Pac-12. They are that good. They just played a very capable Oregon State team that's going to give a lot of people problems in the Pac-12 and killed them. One by 26. Yeah. I mean, it's. I can't wait to watch this Utah team go on the road into what is maybe the worst atmosphere in college football right now uh, and just take it to Chip Kelly and UCLA. And we're finally going to realize that UCLA is a little fraudulent there at number what? 16, 18? 18. Mm -hmm. My my eyes are terrible right now.
1: Well, in another Pac-12 team that we knew this was going to happen after their embarrassing loss week one, they've sort of fallen back a little bit, and people don't talk about them a whole lot. What about the Oregon Ducks? They're sitting at 12 right now. They beat BYU. They beat Washington State, which is not easy. They beat Stanford, yep. which whatever. They've got They're on-the-road at Arizona. Then they play that UCLA team. Then they play Colorado. Then they end the year with Washington and Utah at home before they go to Oregon State. If Oregon and Bo Nix can kind of put some wins together, especially late they could be making noise yet again at the end of the season for a college football playoff berth. We talked about it after the loss. We knew this was going to happen. Now, they've still got some wins to get, but they, looked, they look halfway decent.
2: They, they do, absolutely. They are. Bo Nix is playing really, really good ball. Ran wild on Stanford last week. Had an 80-yard touchdown run, which if, if there is a play that just epitomized the difference between the SEC and the Pac-12, it's Bo Nix Running away from defenders at Stanford. I mean, literally, guys were were losing ground to him. Like he was running a four-two in the SEC. He gets run down thirty yards downfield, and it's and it's over. Yep. But uh, so that's. I mean, that just was the clearest cut and dry. This is the difference between Southeast and the SEC and football down here and football out there on the West Coast. But I think that this. Don't sleep on this Arizona team, by the way. Don't sleep on them. They are fun. They are not good, but they have a <laughs> really, really fun quarterback who is putting up numbers right now. They've played what? How many games have they played? They are 3-2. and two. He has 1,633 passing yards at this point in the season. He's Holy going 300 yards a game, 14 touchdowns to just six interceptions. They can score,
1: and if Oregon isn't focused...
2: Arizona can make that game very interesting in the fourth quarter.
1: Put it on a t shirt, the Arizona logo. We're fun, not good. I like that. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's, they are getting better very
2: fast. I think that hire of what, isn't it Jed Fish out there? He was kind of laughed at when he got that job. Well, um, think
1: about where the program was when he took it over. I mean, yeah,
2: like, yeah, but people are like, why are you hiring this? Like, this doesn't make any sense. Uh, but through his Patriots connections and his, Connections with Rob Gronkowski, he uh, got Gronk out there, energized the program, and here we are. They're three and two when they really should be like a three-win team in general. I mean, yep. he's done some nice things. I like what they've done this year. They they can give Oregon
1: issues this weekend. I'm just saying they oh they definitely could, and and, and I think Oregon has a lot to play for, even after, of course, the Week 1 blowout loss. They still have a lot to play for. I think they are still a good football team, and we knew Bo Nix was going to thrive out there. You just knew that was going to happen. All he needed was some guys up front to protect him and let him throw the football and do his thing against teams that are not as good as SEC competition, and he was going to be just fine. But looking at a couple games at night before we get to our final break, of course, Texas A&M-Alabama, this is a game where, it's just not even really exciting because we know we know what's going to happen. I mean, we understand how this game is going to go, and the, the heat on Jimbo Fisher will be hot Saturday night after this.
2: Speaking of which, I'm not sure if you've seen the news, Max Johnson, broken hand, out for the season. So, Haynes King, who's legitimately bad in this offense and does not fit what Jimbo Fisher wants to do, is leading this team, Alabama is going to beat them by 40. And I, I know A&M has talent on defense, but it doesn't matter when the offense is going three and out or turning the ball over every single drive because your offense is out of date. Jimbo Fisher hasn't adapted. He can't, he can't install somebody else truly as the offense coordinator or play caller because then he's admitting to everybody, hey, I don't really have any real value anymore. Uh, but yeah, this is this is going to be a bloodbath that's uh, very similar to potentially what could take place in other games in the SEC.
1: Yeah, it's just I hate that this game doesn't have that oomph that we thought it was going to have in in July when all the stuff was going down between Saban and Jimbo and we everybody circled this game thinking it was going to be a big time matchup this is going to be two of the best teams from the sec west going at it in tuscaloosa but that's just not where these programs are right now alabama's playing good even with a backup quarterback and AM is going in the wrong direction and it's never a good sign when a program and the fans and the media are circulating and talking about paying a coach 90 million dollars to not coach there anymore that's that's never a good sign when that topic is what's on people's minds coming into the Alabama game. Let's take our final break here in this first hour. 334-321-1390. We'd love to hear from you. We'll wrap up the first hour of On the Line when we come back.
0: You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app.
1: Wrapping up our number one here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you here on ESPN 1067. Reminder that in hour number two, we're going to talk to Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast like we do every Thursday afternoon. Uh, get his thoughts on the upcoming games going on this weekend. We'll get his thoughts on Jimbo Fisher from Texas A&M as well. Uh, what he thinks about Brian Harson and his future at Auburn and all that stuff going on around the SEC. So Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast. We will have him on at 3.30 in hour number two. But as we wrap up this first hour, uh, Carter, you had brought up the idea of a Heisman Trophy and kind of looking at the odds and where they sit right now. Uh, C.J. Stroud is your leader right now in the Heisman Trophy, betting That's odds 100%, 100%. from Ohio State. 100 Yeah, he's your leader. Caleb Williams from USC is in second. Bryce Young you. is third. And I think Bryce Young being hurt, maybe. Bryce Young
2: is not winning it. Like, after he's had some performance, like, the Texas performance, it's not...
1: Right. It didn't blow you away. But man. I think his odds got hurt a little bit when he got hurt. And yeah. I agree. I don't think Bryce Young's going to win it again. He has his performances on the road have held him back from winning it again. I think is where that kind of sits right now for Bryce Young. On fourth, though, Hendon Hooker, quarterback of Tennessee. Interesting. And I think and I told you during the break, if Tennessee wins this weekend and wins against Alabama with a good performance by him, he could shoot up and be first or second in the Heisman odds because if Tennessee is able to do that, then, then if Tennessee is to beat Alabama, he has to play well, which means he's going to shoot up in the Heisman odds. I think he's got a great chance. If Tennessee continues to win, he will be in a shot to win the Heisman trophy. You've got Adrian Martinez from Kansas State, uh, Blake Corum from Michigan, Stetson Bennett, of course, quarterback at Georgia. This may be a first. I'm, I don't know. There's a Kansas player on here, Jayla Daniels, who You're is right. He is, deserves to be. Is there. legit. He is good, and he's legit. And I'm Drake just saying, May
2: deserves to be there. Jalen yeah. Daniels deserves to be there. Sam Hartman deserves to be there. I all agree. All those guys. I
1: agree. They all deserve to be there. But when's you the last the, time you pulled the, up Heisman odds and you saw the Kansas Jayhawk logo?
2: I mean, it's been a long time. You know, what's <laughs> a crime though? Right now, huh? How the heck is Michael Penix not on here? He's got seventeen hundred yards passing and and sixteen touchdowns. That is very true. He's only thrown three
1: interceptions. I know. Very true. It's all rigged.
2: <laughs> he's the, he
1: deserves it. I don't and know, he's the, man. He's got the story. Torn ACL. Everything. We got to get the break, man. Hour number one officially in the books. Come back for hour number two.
0: is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line, live on ESPN 106.7.
1: You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Albert Opelika sports leader, Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you here on this Thursday afternoon on On The Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Hope you're all doing well this afternoon. Hour number one officially in the books, hour number two officially underway here on ESPN 106.7. If you missed any of the first hour, be sure to go and find the podcast. Just search On The Line wherever you get your podcasts. Or you can go to espnau.com. That's espn. AU.com. Click on the Podcast Center. You can find it all right there. You can find the show right after we go off the air. Commercial free. Uh, Again, wherever you get your podcast or at ESPNAU.com. We've got a lot coming up here in hour number two. We're going to get through some making headlines. We've got question of the day. Then we're going to talk to Chris Gordy, the host of the Locked On SEC podcast. Uh, We'll talk to him about games going on this weekend. We'll get his takes on the Auburn situation and Brian Harson and the Jimbo Fisher situation, everything going on around the SEC. Uh, Chris is, he is a, uh, he's a guy that, He's gonna tell you like it is, right? I mean, he, he he doesn't really uh shy away from telling us his opinion on things. So we're looking forward to talking to him at 330. But phone lines are open. We'd love to hear from you. 3-3-4-3-2-1-13-90. That number again, 3, 3, 4, 3, 2, one 321 1390 How are you feeling about Auburn, Georgia? How are you feeling about some of the games around the SEC this weekend? How are you feeling about the Braves in the postseason? Anything on your mind, we'd love to hear from you. 334 321 90 as we get into making headlines here on Thursday, October 6th, 2022, Auburn and Georgia on Saturday, of course, After the game, you can tune into the the after-the-game show here on ESPN 106.7 brought to you by Urgent Care Clinic in Auburn. It'll be our own Carter Bird and Auburn High School sportscaster Jack Hutton. They will be doing the the after-the-game show right here on ESPN 106.7 around 6.30, 7 o'clock, whenever the Auburn-Georgia game's over. Tune in here. You can catch these guys uh, for two hours. Give their thoughts and opinions. Take your calls. All of that, again, brought to you by Urgent Care Clinic in Auburn. But Auburn-Georgia Saturday, uh, the spread... It's anywhere from 29 to 30 points. I mean, it's it's a lot for Auburn right now. And the blows just keep coming, it seems like, where you have guys like Landon King who decide to to sit out in red shirts. There's rumors of more. There's rumors of more where not – in? I don't think there's a threat of, of a lot of these guys transferring. It's just – they have, some,
2: of them, some of them will be, but, but I, I, I feel confident the Landon's going to stay.
1: Right. I think some of them might, but most of them I don't think they will, just from what I'm hearing, seeing, and all of that. Uh, but the Landon King situation, to me, it seemed pretty simple. He played in four games. He wasn't getting used. He didn't touch the field the last game, and he said, you know what, I'm not going to burn a year for this. And he said, I'm going to redshirt and sit out, and that's exactly what he's doing. Yeah. No, I mean,
2: I, I respect his decision to do what's best for him, and I firmly believe that this is what's best for him. He's not being used enough to waste a year of eligibility. He's a little banged up. It'll allow him to get healthy and get right going into the spring where he can he can learn whatever the offense is at that point in time and uh, kind of get a jump on the spring, work on his strength and conditioning. Uh, get bigger, get stronger, get faster, and have a true breakout year next year is whats is what I'm going to be looking forward to with Landon King. I think he has all of the ability to do that. I love his mindset. He works really hard. But, yeah, it'll be – I think this is going to be something you start to see that is more commonplace at these programs. You're going to see guys take their red shirts. Um, you, it started with Houston years ago with, with Derek King. Uh, and a couple Mm -hmm. of other guys that redshirted. Obviously, Derek King left that
1: program, but sometimes you're going to have some guys that stay. Yeah, and I think, too, this is going to be a common thing for guys to uh, sit out, redshirt, and then a lot of them are going to transfer because with the transfer portal and with NIL, I think even if they're getting some playing time, they may find out that if they get to a school... Maybe they're not making as much money as they were told they would make or they thought they would make. Or maybe there's just another school that they can go and make more money at. And that is a legitimate option for them now. (laughs) They can sit out and transfer to go make more money somewhere else. And if that doesn't explain where college football is right now.
2: That's going to be an issue at a lot of G5 teams. mm -hmm. A lot of G5 teams. If they have somebody who breaks out and is awesome through four games, what's to stop them from packing it up Calling it quits on the season and saying, what's up, Alabama, Texas, a USC, other Power 5 schools across the country,
1: come and get me, <laughs> because yeah. I'm basically a free agent. <laughs> yeah, and I don't think that's a good mentality to have, but again, that's where college football is going, that's where it's at, and that's where it's going, where... There's going to be a lot of football players, and I said this back in the summer before, before you were here, Carter. I said this back in the summer where as the years go on, more and more college football players are going to start caring less about playing time and winning and more about money and a paycheck and, and their, I think and their I noticeability.
2: Think I think playing time is still going to be very, very, very key it's going to be playing time and NIL money. And I think that's that's what you're going to see play out. It may not be as important to go win a championship. It's about getting to the league, playing time, because that's what gets you to the league,
1: and NIL money. I think that's what it's going to turn into. But I think there's going to be a big handful of guys that maybe aren't concerned with making it to the league. Of course, a lot of them want to, but there's going to be a handful that, don't care about going to the pros because if they can come to college and make a couple million, be a halfway decent player, then they're good. They're good to go. And I Look, think you're going to see – Not
2: everybody can be Stetson Bennett.
1: Well, yeah. But, <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, I think you're going to see that become a trend, not on a wide, wide scale, but you are going to see a handful of guys that come through college football. You're going to notice, whether they say it or not, they're not going to care about winning games, winning championships, getting a ring – they're worried about making them some money and getting a paycheck and that's going some to hurt them, the game of college football.
2: I mean, some of my the, the priorities are vastly are going to be playing time and getting to the league, which is why Alabama is going to continue to to be Alabama because they are such a pipeline to the league. Now, you're going to see people like or teams like A&M that are a pipeline to literal pipeline money, oil pipeline money, uh, they're going to have that money. They're going to get a lot of NIL nil commits, NIL transfers, and they're going to have enough to get enough guys in the league where they can negate the fact that you probably have better odds to get to the league at Alabama or, or at Georgia, but AM's going to give you more money. It's just, it's a reality. It's a reality. And there's more access to playing time, maybe it varies from school to school i don't think that i think that you're going to see very isolated instances of somebody being like oh i'm just going to go to that school to take to get a bunch of money and not worry about trying to go pro or play playing in the nfl or in basketball in the nba or some of these european leagues or something
1: i i still think it is going to happen i don't know how massive that's going to be and again a lot of these are these are athletes right these are play whether it's football basketball hockey whatever it may be these are athletes and they have been playing their respective sport for 15 plus years of their life and they are bred athletes and if you make it to college if you make it to be a d1 athlete more likely than not you were bred to win and to want to win and want to be great i mean that's just what athletes do and I think a lot of them will keep that mindset but money talks and I do think with young adults kids even 17 18 19 year olds that are young kids young, or you know young kids young adults that are dealing with massive amounts of money if they are as talented as we've seen a lot of these guys be I think money is going to talk and you're going to see a shift in the mindset of players where they are not going to care as much about winning. I just don't think it's going to get... I think it gets to that point, and I don't think winning will be the first thing on their mind anymore. I think playing time, like you said, will be big, but I think money is going to be big as well, because yeah, now... it's absolutely going to be Now, big. when the coaches come in and sit down in their living room, one of the very first, if not the first question from the player is, what's your NIL situation? How much money can I make? That's the first question. If it's not right now, it will be in the next few well, years. It is. I mean, I've... I have talked to players on
2: Auburn's team that have hosted high school recruits that ha, that they say the first thing they ask is, how much are you making an NIL? It, it's a factor. It very much is. But if you can be enough of an NFL pipeline, if you can give playing time to somebody so they can get there, that can help negate maybe an NIL disadvantage to some other schools. Like Missouri may offer more money, but if Auburn is – a better factory for putting people at that position out to the NFL, they may be willing to
1: sacrifice money to come to Auburn. And I, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm interested to see in the next five years, right? We'll just say five years. I'm interested to see if that mindset changes because I think it will. And I think that the players are going to start going after the more money right now in college rather than playing for the pros. I may be completely wrong, and it may not be that way in five years. I just think that's where this is going, but think about this conversation we're having right now. We're talking about players in high school negotiating money that they're going to be paying, getting paid to play college football, college basketball, volleyball, whatever it may be. This is where college athletics is and going, and it's crazy to see where it's come from. Between the transfer portal and the NIL, I've never seen two bigger rule changes and things implemented that have changed a, a sport and sports more than these two things have. I, I mean, it's the, the transfer portal and the NIL have changed college athletics forever.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's as we talked about at the beginning of the show, the landscape has changed so much and it's, it's, I think it's only going to continue as you have realignment. It's not done. It's not done by any stretch. Money's going to get bigger uh, the NCAA at some point is going to go away, and then at that point, it's what structure is there going to be for NIL, for for tampering, because it's a thing now. It's not just something you hear about with the NBA. There's Everything's going to change a lot here over the next five ten years
1: And the conversation of should nil be capped is a huge question that a lot of people feel very very uh um, are very emotional about on both sides of it that maybe it should be capped where a player can only make a certain amount or a team can only make a certain amount or if it shouldn't be capped and they should be able to make as much as physically possible that's an interesting conversation too where it, who is who should it be up to and how do you enforce that i think that's interesting too
2: yeah, no, it'll be it'll be. I think that at some point, Greg Sankey uh, is going to. I think there's a there's a world where Greg Sankey is the czar of college football. He is he is the head man in charge. Uh, it's it's and I think that that is going to be interesting because I mean, there's nobody that has more power in collegiate sports right now than Greg Sankey and. That's only going to uh, increase as as alignment continues, I think, and as long as the SEC continues to dominate the college football landscape. I mean, look, at some point, the SEC is going to add Clemson, and it's going to get stronger. And at some point, FSU and Miami are going to join the SEC, and we're going to be talking about these power programs in the south where there is a ton a ton of talent going to war with the Big 10 and i guess the Big 10 now has california which is is, is a great it's a great place to go get talent from but you are going to have i think the the SEC will continue to dominate college football and realignment i think it's going to just going to continue to swing more and more in the SEC's favor when it's all said and done Right now, the, the Big Ten is making some really, really interesting moves that have brought them closer, uh, maybe not quite to even with the SEC, but have brought them a lot closer to, to even. And, but these, these two conferences are going to dictate the future of intercollegiate athletics. And, and frankly, I'm still curious how, how it's going to work in the Big Ten with non-revenue sports, with, non, with sports that aren't football that's going to really suck to have to go on these road trips to USC and UCLA in the middle of a week, in the middle of an exam week or something. Mm-hmm. Well, mean. that's
1: what I've said is, like, think about a basketball game. You're going to, in a basketball schedule during the week, you're going to have a team like Rutgers or Maryland have to travel out to Los Angeles, California for a Saturday game, fly back to to Maryland to play Ohio State on a Tuesday night, then fly back out and play USC on another Saturday. Like, Surely they'll figure out a way to where they don't screw over teams traveling back and forth and I, back and forth. I think I think what
2: legitimately what you might see, which could be really fascinating, either one, the Big Ten is going to continue to add teams on the West Coast, and they're going to become very NFL like. That you're going to have like two two conferences inside a conference. Mm-hmm. It's going to be yo. Know, it's going to be it's going to be like when the pandemic year happened in the NHL and there was an American hockey league and a Canadian hockey league because they, yeah. they, they couldn't cross the border easily enough, and so they just had a Canadian division, and then they had various American divisions. Mm-hmm. That's going to happen, and then you're going to have like every crossovers every now and then. It's going to make it a lot more manageable. Or the teams on the eastern half of the country, when they go to play USC, they're just going to stay over there for the week, and then they're going to play UCLA and then come back.
1: You have to. You're, you're going to have to do something. They are going to have to do something like that because the situation that I just said where you could play in Maryland on Saturday, Los Angeles, California on Tuesday, and then back in Maryland on Saturday again, like that's and then back out to LA, like, that's ridiculous. And I think you're right. I think they're going to do something where you go out and maybe you stay in California for two weeks or maybe you stay on the West Coast for two weeks where – You're able to go out and and play multiple teams at the same time. Look, college athletics are changing, man. They're changing in front of our eyes. They're changing every day and college football will be the ultimate dictator of that because that's what makes the most money. That's what funds everything. That's what runs all of these schools and runs all of these conferences. So whatever is the best for college football, that is what they are going to do because college football is the ultimate moneymaker. 334-321-1390. We'd love to hear from you. we got to get to our first break. In hour number two, you're listening to the Thursday edition of On The Line.
0: are on the line on ESPN 1067 call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502
1: back here on the Thursday edition of on the line Jacob Gowitz Carter Bird with you on ESPN 1067 Auburn Opelika Sports Leader Make sure you stay tuned at 3.30. We're going to have Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast, joining us to uh, preview all of the games coming up this weekend, including Auburn and Georgia, get his thoughts on the Brian Harsin situation, get his thoughts on what's happening at a and and if they're going to pay Jimbo Fisher $90 million to not coach there anymore. So we're going to get all of his thoughts coming up in just a few minutes. But uh, we have well, – we got about eight minutes before we get to the break and then get him on the phone. But uh, we've been talking a lot about – uh, college football today in the playoff and the just the situation that, that the game of college football is in right now and looking at the college football playoff where right now it's at 4, we know that it's going to get to... Uh, get expanded in the next few years and so the question of the day we had was in your opinion how many teams should be in the college football playoff how many how big should it be three three four three two one thirteen ninety i was talking eight or twelve i think those numbers would be okay um i think four i don't like 12 i like eight I think either one. I like eight better than 12. I think, and like we kind of talked about earlier, 16 would be 12. too much.
2: I'm fine with 12, but I also I hate giving Nick Saban and Alabama any extra time to prepare for opponents because that's when they just turn them into a grease spot on the ground. Um, we've seen it time and time again. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm concerned <laughs> about letting the top four get byes because Alabama will be getting a lot of buys as long as Nick Saban is the head coach at Alabama.
1: Right, and I think that's kind of why 8 would be uh, is a good number, right? Because 4 4 was a good introductory number. I think introducing the playoff and trying to implement it and see how it was going to go. I think 4 was a good start. You didn't want to start out with a bigger number in case it didn't work and then you're getting blow out you're getting horrible teams or not horrible but you're getting low ranked teams winning championships and stuff like that that shouldn't be like four was a good start for the college football playoff but as we get near the end of this contract it's time for it to be expanded and we see that it is i think i think eight or 12 would be fine uh eight you get your at-larges and you get a few at-larges and you get some conference champions
2: yeah no you you absolutely do i think you can You can satisfy conferences like the Pac-12 and the ACC and the Big 12 that don't uh, have teams that are probably, well, Clemson, but besides that, don't have teams right now that are good enough to get in on their own merit uh, in a typical four-team playoff year. Of course, this year the Pac-12 is very strong, but I think that that would satisfy everybody, and then it would also give – I mean, the SEC would still have the SEC's power uh, because – the SC would take two of those at-large spots. They really would. And then maybe a G5, maybe Notre Dame. Who knows?
1: Um, depends on the year, right? I mean, it just depends I mean, on the situation. And,
2: and we all can see down the road at some point. Notre Dame's going to have to join a conference, but they uh, can bide their time for now, which is all well and good. Uh, and the ACC desperately needs them, and they know that. And the ACC's going to have to cut them in on some of their TV revenue Give them a bigger slice of the pie than the rest of the ACC. And at that point, that's when Clemson's going to be like, screw this, I'm out.
1: Well, I think a legitimate question is, is the ACC going to even exist in five years? I mean, five, ten years. Is the ACC going to be around? We can can say that for the Pac-12 and the Big 12. I agree. That's what I'm saying. Are those conferences even going to exist? Or if they do, they won't be the same scale they are right
2: now. Is that the ACC's only hope to continue to exist is Notre Dame. They have that agreement with Notre Dame, where right now, technically, if Notre Dame joins a conference, they have to join the ACC. Well, that's well and good. You can put it in words, but Notre Dame doesn't have to do that. They're a better fit for the Big Ten. Geographically, they're a, they're a, they'll get more money. If, it's, if this slice of the pie is equal between all schools, they'll get more money in the Big Ten. If they join the ACC, it's because the ACC is like, hey, we're all getting X percent. You're going to get one and a half times that because we have to have you to survive. That's and that's the way that's going to work. Mm-hmm. And and at that point, my my concern for the C is that Clemson is going to bounce, and some other schools will as well.
1: And and again, I think that's where you get to the thought process of. If the ACC doesn't get Notre Dame when they go after them eventually, because they do have to get them if they want to survive. If they don't get them, then schools like Florida State and Clemson and Miami are all going to ditch, and they're all going to come to the SEC. And then you're going to see schools like the Big Ten, or you're going to see a conference like the Big Ten, who are going to go after Notre Dame. And they're going to go after some of those schools like the Carolina, like North Carolina, and some of those other schools where, I mean, then the Big Ten is going to go after everybody that they can, and um, we'll see how it goes. We got to get to the phone lines real quick before we get to break. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Ed, you're on the line. Welcome in.
3: Hey, guys. and uh, if, if you're going to even address this after the break, I just had two quick questions. Yeah, you know, I know you thing where, where Auburn's hired Jeff Whitehead is a senior at assist uh, athletic for compliance uh-huh. director. Uh, I didn't know if y'all knew anything about him. And have y'all heard anything further about the uh, guy, the, the supposed favorite for AD, you know, the Hartwell or whatever? Yeah. Hartwell. Have y'all heard anything more? Yeah. I, I'll hang up, Nate. If y'all have to address that after the break, I, I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, we appreciate the Thank call,
1: you. Ed. Well, Carter, I'll let you go ahead and attack that. We got about a minute before the break.
2: Well, I, one thing that I think is interesting is that, um, the new hire for for the compliance department he has worked with John Hartwell at Troy that's something that i don't feel like can be really ignored i think that this may be the first domino in the in the list of things that start to to that end up with John Hartwell as athletic director i think we are moving in that direction he's the favorite and i think the first thing that has to happen is Brian Harson has to get fired, and then you can name an athletic director. Because you don't want your new athletic director the first act to be, hey, go fire that guy.
1: Yeah, I think they're going to they're gonna wait to see how this game and the next games play out for Auburn to, until they make a move on Brian Harson. And then Hartwell is the favorite. Uh, he's the name that has been popped up quite a bit for Auburn's AD job. And then with the news today of, of hiring him, um, with ha- those guys having experience, I think – is there some some smoke there? Yeah, a little bit. Do you want to fully buy into that? No, because we don't truly know where Auburn's going with this AD move yet. But it's coming. I can tell you that, Ed. It's coming very soon because the quicker they get out Brian Harson and the quicker they get in a new AD, the quicker they can start going after a new head football coach. So I think it's all going to happen pretty quickly here in the next I don't know, month would be my guess Uh, if I just had to throw a a time stamp on it where Auburn's going to be making some moves, good and bad, and then we'll um, look, we'll just see how it goes from there. We got to get Chris Gordy on the phone, host of the Locked on SEC podcast. We'll talk to him when we come back.
0: On the line with Jacob Goetz and Carter Bird on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader.
1: 30 more minutes here on the Thursday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird, with you on ESPN 106.7, Auburn a sports leader. Well, as we do every Thursday afternoon, we've got the one, the only Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast, joining us on the phone. Chris, happy Thursday, man. We are into week six of college football. How are you feeling about the SEC as a whole right now?
4: Um, we're starting to get that separation, man, from who's the pretenders and who's the contenders, and uh, yeah, I'm excited. We finally get we get all 14 teams in action this weekend, all in SEC action. So, uh, yeah, it's, this is this is what we've been waiting for. We're done with the Mercers. We're done with uh, you know even last week when Vandy and Tennessee both had a random week off in like week five. It's fun to have everybody playing everybody. It's gonna be a fun slate of games this week.
1: Well, Chris, let's get right into the Auburn Georgia game on Saturday. Uh, we saw Auburn blowing against LSU yet again because they can't score in the second half. What what's going on with Auburn? Why can they not score in the second half? And what I mean, just what's going on with this three and two football team?
4: Well, I thought LSU did some things uh, defensively in that second half that that kind of kept uh, Auburn off kilter. It's funny I went back and listened to the Brian Kelly Coaches show last Thursday night. And, you know, one thing that stood out to me was he kept saying, we need to slow down, you know, Robbie Ashford. Oh, this kid can run. Oh, this kid's going to run all over us. And so, you know, there were moments in that game, particularly in that second half, where you could see the busted coverages from LSU because those safeties had their eyes in the backfield or, or eyes on Robbie Ashford. And they see him rolling out of the pocket. Oh, man, here he comes. He's going to start running and Kudos to Harson and Keesaw and Keysaw, the, the coaching staff. They dialed up some plays and said, Yeah, we're gonna fake like we're running with Ashford, but he's gonna keep his eyes downfield, we're gonna keep receivers running routes and we're gonna connect with them. In the second half, LSU kind of adjusted and, and stopped stopped worried about Ashford running and kinda of left their linebackers up to cover that. And as you can see, Ashford never really got the running game going and even the passing game wasn't what it was in the second half as it was in the first half. So there were some adjustments that LSU made, but um, I-, I just think, man, like they got so cute. Like the, the Moore pass play, just, you didn't need to go there. Like you were running the ball well that drive. Uh, there were just so many moments in that second half where I just felt like, man, Albert, like Albert didn't need to do it. It was like you're getting too cute. And you could have just kept playing hard-nosed football and, and- – and put that game away there in the second half. So, you know, credit LSU. They made the winning plays that they needed to, but you're right. It was just another another opportunity left out there. And, you know, for a game that was so kind of, you know, tough on yards and tough on everything, to have a completely scoreless fourth quarter I thought was a little silly because I thought Auburn played really well defensively in this. When you hold Jaden Daniels under 100 yards passing, and you know, for the most part you kept LSU's run game in, in check for a good part of the night, um, it's a game Auburn should have won, and, you know, unfortunately they're on the wrong end of it.
2: So what, what do you make of the fact that, I mean, Auburn under Brian Harson in Power 5 games is only averaging six points in the second half. Like, what needs to change? What, how, can they, how can they start scoring points in the second half? And then, do you think that they can score points in the second half against Georgia?
4: Well, let me turn this on you guys real quick. If I'd asked you this question in the preseason, I'd ask you this question right now. Just give me a quick answer. Who's Auburn's best offensive weapon?
2: I think it's, I think it's uh, Tank Bigsby. Tank Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter okay. one two.
4: Okay, but but Tank Bigsby's the first answer. Mm. Why is he only getting twelve carries? Agreed. I mean, to me, that's the that's the problem in my mind, and and I'm not trying to say Jarquez Hunter needs to be limited or whatever, but. I'm sick and tired of coming on with you guys every week and talking about Tank Bigsby only getting you know X amount of carries. We're tired of it too,
1: Chris, I promise.
4: Yeah, I mean, uh, look, if I'm going to go down and lose, I'm going to go down and lose swinging, and I'm going to lose a game where Tank Bigsby gets 20-plus carries in a game. Like, you know, we could say, oh, they were bottling bottling us up, or they were loading the box. It doesn't matter. He's your best offensive weapon. He needs to be getting the touches. I know he had a couple of catches, but – the tank Bixby needs at least, you know, I'd say at least 20 touches, if not 20 carries a game. He, he is the workhorse. Get him the get him the ball, and, and we'll figure it out. We'll keep the chains moving. So, um, yeah, to me, that's that's what stands out going into this game against Georgia. I know Georgia's very good defensively. They do have some injuries on their defensive front and in their linebacking core. Uh, Missouri did have some success running the football uh, last last week. And when I look back at that Auburn-Georgia game a year ago, I want to say Tank Bigsby was one of the first uh, people to score a touchdown on that Georgia, you know, that vaunted Georgia defense last year, uh, and he had some some running success. So, look, it, it, you're a big underdog in this one, and everybody's expecting you to go get blown out. But we cannot be sitting here come Monday morning talking about well, Tank Bigsby only had ten, eleven carries. So he's <laughs> got to get the rock.
1: We're talking to Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast, here on On the Line. Chris, we know, and, and everybody around the SEC and around the country knows and hears the noise about Brian Harson and his limited future at Auburn. If Auburn doesn't win on Saturday against Georgia, when does Auburn make the move on Brian Harson?
4: Um, you know, it's an interesting one because I, I brought that up to somebody this week. I said, you know, if they get if they get blown out, that's what I could see happening Monday. Somebody said, well, well, why? They're they're thirty point favorites. They're supposed to get blown out. I said because it's a rivalry game. Mm-hmm. Uh, the You know, when, when you talk rivalry games, we, we shouldn't be talking point spreads. We should be talking, you know, hey, who's who's the better team and, you know, who's going to pull this one out? You know, I look at the, the Tennessee-Florida game just two weeks ago where, you know, Florida was double-digit underdogs going into Knoxville, and look what happened. Florida not only made it a game down the, down the way, but had the ball with a chance, you know, albeit a miracle uh, drive, but... Had a chance to, to to still win the game at the end. Um, you know, if we go into this game on Saturday night and or by late Saturday night, we're looking back and it's the scoreboard says forty-one to seven. No, I think that's that's enough grounds to to say, hey, we are not getting better. In fact, we're getting worse week by week under Brian Arson, and, and a change is needed. Uh, the tough part, though, is guys, there is no obvious. I mean, maybe it's Zach Etheridge. I don't know who the, the obvious interim is. You know, this this would have even been an easier decision a year ago when you had Derek Mason and Mike Bobo. Mm-hmm. At least those guys, you, you know, you would feel good handing in the reins. I don't feel good having hand in Eric Keysaw, the keys to the to this team, saying you're the interim coach now. So um, that's a whole other part of this that you'd have to figure out too. And so many people keep saying the bye week makes sense, the bye week makes sense. But, again, like if we were even having to talk about that, why, why don't we just rip the band-aid off? I mean, what are we waiting for? So again, I, I could spin I could spin it positively and I could say these last two weeks for all the turmoil they've had that they, they were able to put out a close win over Mizzou and almost pulled out a close win over L S U where, you know, people were expecting L S U to come in and dominate. So I can make the argument they are playing competitive, but man, this Saturday is going to be a, a you know, a big a big test in that category. And let's say they do lose a close one. Let's say they you know they they lose thirty to twenty at, at Georgia, and they do a good job defensively. You know maybe that does say enough that this team is still fighting and playing hard. Maybe maybe you do say we keep giving Harson another week or two.
2: Yeah, Chris. I, the the other thing that I think is going to affect the the timeline there is allegedly the the the, the Auburn athletic director search is starting to heat up a little bit here and. When you want to make that decision, you don't want your new athletic director's first move to be firing a head coach. So I think that maybe that helps spur some, some, some decision here. I'm curious what, what your thoughts are on that.
4: Yeah, I don't think anybody would pin that on the new athletic director. You know what I mean? Like that person coming in is not, is not coming in and going, all right, I've made the decision on firing Brian Harson." I think that new athletic director is coming in with the expectation that this there's already gonna be a change made and and that Harson is already dead man walking. So uh but but you definitely need to make that move first. I mean the, the worst thing you could do is, is wait and, and and fire the coach and then start targeting who you want as your next head coach without the new athletic director being in that seat yet. So that that's definitely the first domino that has to fall. But I again I don't know if it's I don't know if it's that crazy to say, oh, um, you know, we, we need to uh, then the new AD, we can't let him fi- have to fire Harson. I think it's kind of understood. It, it's just a uh, uh, you know some, a decision that's already been made at that point, and that, it's not that person's decision to make.
1: We're speaking with Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast here on On The Line. Chris, as we look around the SEC this week, we've got some good matchups. Tennessee on the road at LSU, Arkansas on the road at Mississippi State, of course the Texas A&M Alabama game Saturday night. What are your thoughts on some of these matchups going on around the conference on Saturday? Yeah,
4: Tennessee LSU is is super sexy of a matchup. Uh, In fact, it's you know, if we're going by point spreads, guys, it's it's the game of the week. I mean, L- uh, Tennessee is a three-point road favorite in Death Valley, uh, which they've already announced it's going to be a sold-out crowd for LSU. Uh, this isn't one of LSU's most talented teams, but they're they're feisty, man. I mean, they they've gutted out wins. They gutted out the win at Auburn last week. They gutted one out against Mississippi State earlier this year. Uh, they had the you know the the adversity of. Losing to Florida State where you come back in the final second only to miss the extra point that would have sent it to overtime. So this team is battle-tested. Tennessee, they got the road win at Pitt, um, you know, in overtime, and then the win over Florida where they kind of had to hold off Florida from from rallying back on them. But I I just wonder how really battle-tested is this Tennessee team, and can they overcome the adversity of if they fall behind in Baton Rouge? One of the big numbers that just sticks out to me in this game And it sounds like Jaden Daniels is going to play, of course. You know, he got banged up late in the Auburn game, and Garrett Nussmeyer had to come in. But these are the two only quarterbacks in the SEC who have yet to throw an interception this year, Hendon Hooker and Jaden Daniels. I think that stat changes this week. I think one of those guys is going to make a mistake and throw an interception. Who who does it and which defense capitalizes off of it. it? It's really strength on strength and weakness on weakness. LSU's best asset right now is their defense and how they're playing and getting after the quarterback. Uh, Tennessee, their best strength is their offense, and Hendon Hooker. And it sounds like they're going to still be without Cedric Tillman in this one, so that, that's going to hurt. But Jalen Hyatt, they have some other weapons there. But on the flip side, weakness on weakness. LSU's offense has not been a well-oiled machine, but Tennessee's defense is their weak spot. So, can Jane Daniels, You know, there was a report on Monday, Jane Daniels called a, a, a players-only meeting with, with the offense. Now, keep this in mind, guys, when you hear the, hear the term players-only meeting, that's typically a team that's losing or, you know, all hell is breaking loose. LSU's 4-1. They're doing just fine. They're winning football games. But I think Jane Daniels looked at it and said, look, we were, I was held to 80 points passing last week. That's, that's unacceptable when you have Malik Neighbors and Kayshaun Booty and all this talent on this offense, Jack Besh. So I think LSU's going to respond, and that offense is going to get going. And can they find themselves in a shootout with Tennessee – and Can the LSU defense force Hendon Hooker into some mistakes? I, I wish for LSU. Think it was a night game in Death Valley because I think they'd actually if that crowd is rocking and all those people are drunk. I think uh, I think it would have more of an influence. But um, you know, I still I still they can think just Tennessee start.
2: Cl- they they can just start sooner, Chris.
4: Yeah, and they will. I mean, the <laughs> drinking will start at five a.m. They'll have the Bloody Marys and <laughs> mimosas and all that. But uh, I, right now, I'm I'm leaning Tennessee in a close one. But let's see, is LSU up to the task and you're one of, of Brian Kelly? Man, What a marquee win it would be for him. in year one if he could pull that one out. And then the other one I'm keeping an eye on is I'm out at Arkansas, man. I mean, I, I, I thought they should have won the A&M game. They really should have. And then last week when they cut it to 28-23 on Bama with Bryce Young out of the game, I'm going, man, this is the dream scenario for the Razorbacks. This is, you got them right where you want them. And then their defense just basically lays down and lets Jalen Milrow and Jameer Gibbs run all over them, and they had no chance to come back. I think this is Arkansas's third straight loss. Going into Starkville, Mississippi State's playing so well; they're playing with a lot of confidence. Will Rogers just torched Texas a and secondary. I think he's going to have a field day of this Arkansas secondary, and I think Mississippi State wins and they improve to five and one. And suddenly, we're talking about a really dangerous Mike Leach crew uh, running through the rest of the season.
2: Chris, one more question before we uh, let you go here: Texas A&M things have not gone according to plan. Three and two. Obviously big underdogs this weekend. Max Johnson potentially out for the year. If this thing really craters, what happens there and how restless will the Texas A and M community get?
4: Well, it's it's a weird one because, you know, everything I've heard is, you know, even Billy Lucci who runs Texac before the year in SEC Media Days is telling me, Yeah, we're looking at more next year. And I keep saying, you know, how often we keep going next year, next year, next year, but uh Like they've bought in, they they love the recruiting classes and all this. But if you believe the report earlier this week that Paul Farbman said, you know, some of the big money A and M people he talked to are are saying ninety five million dollar buyout. We don't care, we'll pay that. Like that, it sounds crazy to us. But if he got the money to do it, and and they're that crazy to do it, you know, and maybe they come to some sort of agreement if they absolutely want to move on from Jimbo, but. I, I think you got to roll with him. I mean, you're you're so much invested in him, and you know he is a former championship winning coach. Uh, he did just bring in the number one recruiting class. He's already got a really good recruiting class come together already for next year. I think you got to stick with him, and then just put the pressure on him and say, Jimbo, this off season you've got to go and hire the best young offensive innovative mind. Give him play calling duties, and you just be the head coach. It, it's going to be tough for Jimbo to do that because he's always been the play caller, but. I think that's where we are. Nick Saban, years ago, you know, as stodgy and hard-headed as he is, he said, I need to make a change. This spread offense has taken over college football. He brought in Lane Kiffin, and as much as he butted heads with him, he said, run the offense. And I think that's what Jimbo Fisher has to do. So I think at the end of the day, Jimbo's going to be fine, but they've got to bring in a new offensive mind, and they've got to find a quarterback. If I'm them, Holden Garner was, was – or not Garner um, – uh, Wegman Connor Wegman was the, the you know one of the best quarterbacks in the state of Texas last year. Big, highly touted recruit. If I'm a M, i am I hand him the ball and say, "To heck with Haynes King and, and Max Johnson's injury. Connor Wegman, go get your feet wet and, and look. If he throws picks and makes mistakes, fine. But let him go through his growing pains as a freshman because who knows? That could be the guy to be a quarterback next year and for the foreseeable future. I think that's kind of where you are right now, staring down the, the barrel of going three and three.
1: Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast, joining us like he does every single Thursday. Man, we appreciate you and your time as always. Uh, let everybody know where they can keep up with you and your podcast, Locked On SEC.
4: Yeah, just uh, LockedOnSEC.com dot com is the easiest way to uh, to find the show, or just search for us on uh, on YouTube. And got a great preview up on the, the the Tennessee LSU game today. And tomorrow we're gonna have our buddy Danny Cannell's gonna come by. and uh, We'll get his thoughts on Auburn among all the other teams this weekend.
1: That's awesome, man. Well, look, you do a great job, and we appreciate you coming on. It's always fun to have you. We'll talk to you next week, all right? All right. Thanks, guys. That is Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. We'll get to our final break, come back, and wrap it up before the drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck from 4 to 6. All that coming up here on ESPN
0: 106.7. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app.
1: Wrapping up the Thursday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika sports leader. Big thank you to Chris Gordy, who joins us every single Thursday here on the show. He does the Locked on SEC podcast. Uh, He does a great job on his podcast, and he always does a great job when he comes on here. Uh, he's got great things to say. Always great insight. And I was surprised to hear him talk about how Jimbo, he thinks Jimbo's okay. Like, mean, he thinks that his future's okay at A&M.
2: Well, yeah, his future's okay because he's got daggum near $100 or uh, $100 million to, 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 to his name for his buyout. I mean, it's, even if you have oil money, it's difficult to uh, fork over that amount of cash to get rid of your football coach, especially when he's... I mean, at least he's recruiting well. But at some point, they're going to have to sit down with Jimbo Fisher and be like, Hey, man, your offense is trash. Go get somebody to fix it. You can recruit whatever. We know that you're you are essentially the queen of England. You don't hold any real power. You're just a figurehead that is great for re- recruiting purposes. And... Uh, Yeah, and we just want you to do that.
1: Get out of the way. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. But again, big thank you to Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast, joining us as he does every single Thursday. If you've missed any of today's show, be sure to go and find the podcast. Just search on the line wherever you get your podcast, or you can go to ESPNAU.com. That's our website for the station, ESPNAU.com. Click on the podcast center. You can find our podcast, The Drive Podcast, all that good stuff right there at ESPNAU.com. You can submit your picks to the SEC Football Challenge that closes tomorrow. Uh, so make sure you get your picks in for Week Six of the SEC Football Challenge. Great prizes from our wonderful sponsors: uh, the Orthopedic Clinic, uh, Johnny Brusco's, Wickle's Pickles, and Buffalo Rock Pepsi. So uh, make sure you go and get your picks in for that. We've got tons of live events coming up this weekend on the station. Carter and I will be at Lee, or we'll have Lee Scott Academy at Bessemer tomorrow. So we get to make that fun two and a half half hour drive up to Bessemer when Lee Scott takes on uh, Bessemer Academy tomorrow night. Uh, Auburn High is off this weekend. They're on a bye. So lots of sports going on here at the station. But as we get into final take before the drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck comes on, um, for for the SEC as a whole, we've been kind of talking about the college football playoff, the landscape of college football, the SEC is the dominant conference in college football, really the dominant conference in college athletics. And no matter what happens with super conferences and realignment and expansion of the playoff, all of that, the SEC, in my mind, and I think in most people's minds, will continue to dominate, and they're going to go out and get the best of the best, whether that be coaches, players, teams, programs, schools, whatever it may be, the SEC will always be the SEC.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, as the SEC is the driving force in intercollegiate athletics. I don't see that slowing down anytime soon. I mean, look, they dominate baseball. They dominate football. They are starting to climb into dominating basketball. They're closing up ground on everybody because they got that money and then go spend that money and go get some high-level coaches. Uh, and I think that you will... Continue to see this conference make strides to the point that it may it may just be the SEC decides, hey, we're so good at everything, let's just go play our own league.
1: They might, man. I think the NCAA is going to be uh, ousted at some point in the next within the next ten years. Uh, these major conferences are going to tell the NCAA, we're done with you, and to kick rocks, and they're going to move on and. I you think that's, for that I, that's the way to go, I think. And they're going to have to find a way to, to have a governing body because there's about to be a lot of big schools and a lot of big people, a lot of big names that are not going to have representation from the NCAA. So they're going to have to find a way to govern themselves and do it the right way. But all I can say is college athletics, they're changing. It's changing in front of our eyes. It's going to change forever. We're about to find out in the long run if it's for the good or for the bad. I mean, you just don't know. You time Only time will tell at this point with what's going to happen. The prof- professionalization
2: of intercollegiate wow. athletics. what a word. Yeah, I mean, we are moving that direction. We're moving to uh, college football, basically becoming kind of a farm league, a true
1: farm league for the NFL. That's it for the Thursday edition of On the Line. We'll have one more tomorrow before the weekend. Same time, 2 to 4, right here on ESPN 1067. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.